0: SECTION 52 OF EDITORIALS OF THE Dow MAGAZINE, VOLUME 66. THIS LibriVox recording IS IN THE PUBLIC DOMAIN. THE REASONS FOR THE DEFEAT OF AMERICA ARE EASILY TO BE READ. THEY GO BACK TO OUR ENTRANCE INTO THE WAR IN APRIL 1917. IT IS CLEAR THAT PRESIDENT WILSON WAS HURRIED. HE WOULD HAVE PREFERRED TO MEET CONGRESS IN EXTRA SESSION IN MAY, BUT THE WAR AT ANY PRICE PARTY FORCED HIS HAND IN APRIL if the longer interval had been allowed, it is possible that an arrangement might have been arrived at between America and the Entente, including a statement of war aims. Such a negotiation would at least have revealed the existence of the Treaties of London, and the common necessity of the Allies might have led to their common renunciation of the aims of those secret instruments. However, time was not granted we enter the war more immediately dependent on the entente nations for means to carry it out than the latter were upon us bound by necessity to peoples who were fighting for secret ends utterly at variance with our own even then it might have been possible to save the situation had president wilson issued promptly a statement of the war aims of the united states and defined the basis upon which he would cooperate with the allies but this he showed a fierce reluctance to do, accusing those who advised such action of seeking to embarrass him in the conduct of the war, and in his letter to Congressman Heflin, disingenuously trying to confuse the demand for war aims with a profession of ignorance as to why we were at war at all. He insisted that his general statements of January 22nd and April 2nd were all sufficient, in august however he assumed to reply to the pope's proposals in the sense of his january speech as common spokesman of the nations fighting germany and in the january following he issued the famous fourteen points though these were received with general agreement he later challenged the allies to express dissent if such existed the points were reaffirmed in his speech of april sixth and in the most solemn fashion they were put forward by germany as the basis of her surrender and with two exceptions specifically accepted by the other warring nations but even with all this open diplomacy he failed to bind the allies to the terms of world settlement which he had announced it is obvious now that they had always made reservations in favor of the secret treaties of london when president wilson learned of the terms of these agreements is uncertain it may have been only when they were published by the soviet government of russia in any case however the moment of his first knowledge of these treaties was the time when he could have moved for their specific subordination to his own terms with best chance of success if mr wilson trusted entirely in the acceptance of his fourteen points by the allies he must have been rudely shocked by the behavior of lloyd george and Clemenceau in promising their taxpayers to collect the entire cost of the war in the form of a german indemnity he must have gone to the peace conference with a clear presage of defeat and in fact he has seen his own terms and those on which germany surrendered repeatedly repudiated in favour of those of the secret understandings from france he has apparently been able to purchase certain concessions in regard to the left bank of the rhine by more or less definite promises of support in event of future attack by germany in regard to japan his hands were tied by a secret arrangement of his own the lansing ishi agreement and the situation has been further complicated by the fact that he was constrained to purchase support for the league of nations at home and in the english colonies by a refusal to accept the clause granting equal recognition to citizens of all nations Despite the eloquent and pathetic plea of the Chinese delegation, Kia and the Shantung Peninsula have been turned over to Japan to relinquish when and how she may determine. Baron Makino's claim that this procedure was in recognition of the fact that Japan had proved always faithful to her international agreements must have extorted a smile even from Mr. Wilson as he recalled the Russo-Japanese agreement of April 25th 1898, in which both governments recognized the sovereignty and the entire independence of korea and pledged themselves mutually to abstain from all direct interference in the internal affairs of that country a pledge subsequently reasserted in agreements of japan with china and with korea herself in regard to italy mr wilson found no resting-place in his retreat to the line drawn by the treaty of london short of fiume which Italy claimed in excess of that settlement. We can appreciate the feeling of the Italians that Mr. Wilson's insistence on the exact limitations of this secret pact is to be explained, in view of the general surrender of his fourteen points, only by some special grudge against their country. Of course this is absurd. Mr. Wilson needs Fiume more than the Italians do. He needs it as the symbol of his victorious idealism, The sign that he knows how to get what he wants. If it were permissible for Mr. Wilson to accept a patent of nobility from some foreign power, we should suggest as the appropriate title, Lord Wilson of Fiume. End of section 52.